0: Well, our new series was going to be called Culture Wars, and that's what I had thrown out. And it, it felt a little, as Alicia and I were discussing, we agreed it felt a little bit negative. There was a focus on the war that we're in, maybe. And so I decided to call it Culture or Kingdom. And how many know that not everything we're experiencing is Kingdom culture? Right, and so I decided to call it that because I really want uh, this series to be focused on, on what is kingdom culture, but I do want to actually, in this series, uh, bring out a few specific things that, and battles that we're facing. But I want to end every session, every, every, every uh, sermon or message with a refocus on what does Jesus Christ say about our culture. And he has things to say about each and everything that we're facing in this crazy world of ours. And I believe that scripture has a lot to say. If it doesn't address it directly, I believe it addresses every single thing in principle. How many know that there's nothing new under the sun? That literally these things that we're seeing surprisingly have existed. For a long, long time. Why? Because the devil's the same devil. He's not a new, he's not new, and he's honestly not that creative. It just keeps getting regurgitated, if you will, and uh, and resubmitted to a new people and a new culture with new technology. Um, and so we're still battling some of the same things. Um, <clears throat> so today I want to lay a foundation that we can build upon for this series. And I had a few things. Actually, this is about the uh, version three of this message because I, I threw it out and uh, rebuilt it. Then I threw it out and rebuilt it. So 10 o'clock last night, I'm still rebuilding my message and uh, that's okay, right? Because I wanted to land at a certain place today and I felt like the Holy Spirit would say, you have to build a foundation. Today I want to build a foundation of the word consecration, because it 's hard to talk to people about issues in our culture. come on somebody when you 're talking to people that are not wholly devoted to the Lord. I talk differently to people that are unsaved that I do that are saved and then and then we have to so pause and make sure. I don't know how you do it, but when I'm going to dive into a difficult discussion, whether it be a topic of LGBT, as we mentioned a little bit, or, or abortion, or anything like that, that we're, you know, we are in these cultural wars, what's kingdom, what is culture, I actually, first and foremost, make sure that I know where that person is in their commitment to the Lord, as should we all. Why? Because when you're having these, these critical discussions, uh, it'll either it'll either divide you from people or it'll bring people together, but Jesus was able. Man, I, I know that Jesus came to say, do it this way, but he was able to navigate so well, and he was short and abrupt and almost mean with people that needed a, a smack. But he was so kind and so loving to people that needed to be brought into the kingdom, like the woman caught in adultery and all that. And I want to be able to navigate through things like this. So today, I feel like I'm supposed to talk mostly about a consecrated heart. Because when we have a consecrated heart and we're fully devoted and pure devotion to Jesus Christ, we know where we're at, then we can have some great discussions about where our culture is. Does that make sense? So today, I don't know where you're at. Um, on that journey, and that's okay. I'm just, I'm just really, really glad that you're here. Um, next week, I want to invite, I have invited my friend Dennis Scalise to come speak to us, uh, particularly on the cultural lies surrounding um, sexual identity um, and all of that. And so, if you know somebody you want to invite specifically for next Sunday, would you go ahead and do that? If you know somebody that needs to stay home, you go ahead and tell them that too. <laughs> Um, But uh, parents, I'm really serious. Uh, You know, maybe uh, prepare your kids just a little bit. He's going to keep it PG rated for sure um, because we're speaking publicly here. But I just want you to know that that's going to be the topic. And if that's overly sensitive to you, I want you to be warned. We're not going to shrink back from declaring what we believe to be truth in Scripture. But I do want you to know that that's where we're headed. And so you can plan accordingly and, and pray accordingly. I would love if you would pray accordingly so that cultural lies are broken and we can move forward into um, learning how to function in such a culture. Amen, somebody? And then... um, I always like to say hold on to your seat rails because then we're gonna talk a little bit about politics before we wrap up. And I wanna talk about some other lies in our culture. And I don't know which Sunday will be which, so you just have to come prepared for that. And um, a lot of you wanna know where I stand on certain things. And I'm not sure if I'll say everything you want me to say or get behind every candidate that you would like me to get behind, but that's okay. We're gonna talk about those things, right? And and ask for God's heart because we're in a crazy year already. And it's going to ramp up toward November. Come on, somebody. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 2, let's start there. For who has known the mind of the Lord, Paul writes, so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. Somebody say, I have the mind of Christ. And so that is one of the biggest questions, isn't it? Let's make up our minds. Is it the mind of Christ? Is my mind fixed on Christ Jesus? Is it in Christ Jesus? Am I thinking the thoughts of the Lord in this season? Let's spend more time focusing on Christ and his kingdom than the cultural influences. Can I get an amen? If I am spending more time watching the news and more time on social media and more time on what Hollywood has to offer, more time on all of that combined than I am in the word and in prayer and in worship, I am already losing the battle. Somebody say, (laughs) oi. And so be convicted, because I am sometimes convicted as well. And conviction is sweet when it comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not condemnation. It's called conviction. And he's coming after our consecration. Because if I get social media bogged down, and I get Hollywood bogged down, I like to watch a movie just like you do every now and then. Or I'm just news, news, and updates, and news, and updates. And then when I go to the Lord, I give him five minutes right, or 10 minutes to start my day, or, or maybe I give him 15 minutes at the end of the day, or a pray a sleepy prayer, we're already losing the cultural battle. And, and, and it starts with a consecrated mind. Somebody say mind. It doesn't start with the debates going on in our culture. It starts with a consecrated mind. From that place, there's authority for you to even discuss the stuff in the broader cultural, oh, you're following somebody. So the series question throughout is going to be: Is my focus on the culture and what it has to offer, or am I talking about it from and with a kingdom mindset? When I watched a documentary recently, in bits and pieces throughout the uh, uh, over a course of maybe a, a few weeks, it wasn't a long documentary. I rarely watch documentaries, but this one was really really interesting, and it was about the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. <clears throat> I heard guys like to talk about the Roman Empire a lot. I don't actually know if that's true, but I actually do. <laughs> I don't know why that is exactly, but it's an intriguing, uh, and it's, it, it is an, it's a really intriguing study, um, but they were a crazy nation. Come on, somebody. They were uh, they were really, really, shall we say, decrepit. <laughs> they were capturing nations uh, across the known world um, by the hundreds of thousands of people and enslaving them and then spreading their kingdom and occupying land after nation after land all around and even across the sea uh, from them. And they were robbing them of all their valuable resources. Over a couple hundred years, they were allowed to just spread their, their kingdom, if you will, Um, they would take all the gold, they would take all the valuable resources, animals and everything, um, and crops, building an empire uh, for the nation of Rome for their own selfish gain. And the Romans were were known people for their ruthless torture techniques too, which is why so many nations bowed before them. And of course, they invented this thing called crucifixion, right there wasn 't a new thing made for Jesus Christ that was a known thing throughout all their kingdoms which covered of a, that i can 't even d- describe now all the nations that they conquered and the nations aren 't even called the same thing today anymore, but they conquered it and they were known for their mass crucifixions they would line them up and hang them you know and I'd nail them to trees and nail them to crosses and it was them that, that came up with it was the devil you know that came up with extreme uh, techniques of torture before they killed people. And the worst by far, I think, was when they invented, you know, the, the gladiator games uh, in, the, in the arenas. And so uh, most of them, most of the victims had, uh, most of the victims just had no choice in, in participating. Um, many, many of you have seen the 2000 movie called Gladiator. Do you remember that one, some of you? Um, starring Russell Crowe, but that's a, it's a good depiction of what it was like. The Romans actually found it entertaining to watch men forced to kill each other in this, in this Colosseum, and the wild animals would come in and just tear these people to shreds, and body parts just scattered everywhere. Um, that's what the Romans were like, and that's what they were known for. They were also known for, hold your breath a little, they were known for their gender fluidity, LGBTQ plus, did I say there's nothing new under the sun? And I'm trying to keep it PG-rated, but they were known to include children and all of that as well. This is not new, right? And that's that's what they were known for. Not to mention their bizarre and expansive worship of idols. Man, they believed in God after God after God. There's at least 12. Major Roman gods. And this was just the 12 main ones of Jupiter and Juno and Mars and Mercury and Neptune, just to name a few, and Princess Di- uh, the, the goddess Diana. And, and, and there, there's more Vulcan and Vesta and on and on it goes, right? And then it's on, on, on this crazy, crazy, most debauched culture that Jesus arrives on the scene. And he says stuff like, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. It's in that Cult. Somebody says, wow, if he showed up today, it's like we're getting, we're kind of not that far from Roman culture in some ways, right? Now, that generation that Jesus showed up in knew noth- knew about conquest. They knew about bloodshed. And they knew about political power wars. Come on, somebody. They would actually oust one governor and get another. And they would kill him and all of his family and then get another. All of them more. Uh, worse than, than the previous one, right? And so, uh, anybody familiar with political wars? Yeah, and the strongest would dominate and enslave, and then the way to win is to outsmart and overpower your enemy. And then the way to win in this culture was to become an abuser yourself, to, but just to get smarter and better at your abuse, right? To crush and enslave people was what they knew and what they thought would win the day. Using the same tools, but effectively, but more effectively, to fight fire with more firepower, right? You, you fight guns with with uh, with tanks, is, is what they were thinking. You know, and so you had the Egyptians and the Celts and the Germans and the Macedonians and the Greeks and the Persians and the Parthians and Carthaginians, I think you said, and all of them fought vehemently against Rome and all of them lost. And it wasn't then, um, and, and I think the reason why is because all had, they all had the same mindset. They just happened to be um, more powerful or one of them had a bigger army than the other, but all their hearts were the same. Does that make sense? Evil fighting evil. Watching evil, fighting evil over hundreds and hundreds of years, none of them were different in any way, except some of them just had bigger armies than the other. Finally, in 476, the, uh, the, the Germanic leader from Germany area, um, Adasir, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, he staged the revolt and uh, deposed the emperor, Romulus Augustus, and then from then on, the Roman emperor would, would, would stop ruling, it, it was starting to... To fall apart, um, leading many to cite that in the year 476, after Jesus Christ, did the Roman Empire finally start to crumble, and even then, the leaders weren't necessarily better, weren't necessarily smarter, maybe just a little smarter, more influential perhaps, but they still ruled with power, with fear, and threats of darkness and punishment, And it's in this culture that Jesus came. And instead of talking a lot about the Roman culture, as horrible as it was, you don't see Jesus really talking about it that much. I just love studying because I think it's really interesting. Jesus answered and he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting in John 18, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world my kingdom is not from this world I refuse to get involved in the same fight that you are all so familiar with if we watch and we listen and we follow my lead follow his lead Jesus says, if you would watch and listen and follow my lead, my kingdom then is different and it's established in hearts of men and then it's established in homes and then it's in communities and then even nations can bow the knee to Jesus Christ. But he said, first, I rule and reign in this place called the soul in the heart of man. However, what we see then and even in our day is when hearts... Like the soul realm, the mind, will, and emotions are leading the way. That's what people are led by, right? Then the spirit of the age dominates. Then it establishes a different kingdom on the earth. First in the mind, then in the families, then in regions, and then in nations. But then when we find ourselves thinking and living, um, when we say, wait a minute, I am actually ruled by Jesus Christ in my mind and in my family and in my culture. Now, we are countercultural, perhaps, from what is happening in our culture. Does that make sense? Can I just pause right here and say, I think one one of the worst things that Christians believe nowadays is that there's a neutral ground between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Most Christians believe that culture is just neutral if if people that you know or 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 us are not led by the holy spirit we actually then have this odd place in between place where we just think they're led by culture or they're led by whatever the latest i don't know, song or poem or they're just led by a general sense of morality If morality doesn't come from the Holy Spirit, what spirit do you think is leading? There is no neutral ground. Let me crush that idea. You're either being led by the spirit or you're being influenced by another spirit. And I want to get rid of this idea that America will survive just by general neutral culture if we can just stay in this place of neutrality and you do what's best for you and I do what's best for me. I believe, you believe, and we're just all somehow friends. No, it'll go one way or the other, and it is going one way or the other. It is actually a little more black and white than what we want to believe. It doesn't make us mean. We still love with the love of the Lord, but let me call it what it is, right? It's either the kingdom of, of Christ or it is the kingdom of darkness. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55.9. 9. I need, a, I need a tissue. Can you hand me a few? I'm not crying. I was earlier, I was talking about Dominic, but my nose seems to be a little. Thank you, love. Give her a hand. She's an amazing woman. <laughs> Thank you so much. Isaiah 55.9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, than my thoughts, than your thoughts. And this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. But how many know that that's not meant to be a statement of that's just exactly how it is? Jesus came so that our thoughts are then made into his thoughts, right? Except they should then be higher thoughts. He didn't come to earth to just relate to us and become like us. He came to earth then to lift us up, to be seated where he is so that the way that we think is higher than the neutral or or the culture of our day. So Colossians 3, starting at one, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, you're seated at the right hand of God and it says, set your mind on things that are above and not on the things that are on the earth. Amen? Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, meaning the arguments, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He was saying what they were arguing about was can I eat food sacrificed to idols? Can I not? Is it okay to eat unclean foods like pork? Now, now that they're, they're getting set free. they can. Maybe some of them wanted to fry up some bacon and they weren't having it. The church was like, you can't be a Christian if you eat bacon. And some of them were like, yes, I can. And so, I don't know, I wasn't there. But I just pictured that's what they were arguing about. Because some foods were clean and unclean according to Jewish custom, right? And so Jesus comes on the scene and he's like, not only are you are allowed to harvest grain on the Sabbath, if you're hungry, just go out in the field and, and get some and eat, you're what I, what I call clean, I call, you know, he's like, go, he's breaking down some of the stereotypes or some of the old Jewish uh, laws and rules, but he says, my kingdom is different, and it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pause and say, what is the enemy throwing at you? What lies and what deceptions and what seductions, it's almost the same word, deceptions and seductions and fears, is he using nowadays? To, to cause you to get sucked into the culture of our day. Man, we, we need to be standing in the kingdom and in Christ Jesus where the Holy Spirit causes us then to discern these things and to know and then to start to reject anything outside the kingdom of God and keep us from being led astray. And I think the three main weapons of the enemy nowadays is this thing called deception, Similarly, seduction, things that sort of lure you astray, and then this really big weapon that he likes to hurl at us, this thing called fear. Um, in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts, somebody say my thoughts, will be led astray. Paul's writing about our thought life. will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And I fear that that's where we are today too. And uh, I know we're not the Roman culture; we're the American culture. But um, I believe that really, really, really applies to this culture as well. That is, that is the first thing the enemy does, which is why I'm starting here today. Not necessarily addressing a big thing out there in our culture. I, I'm asking us today: Where is our pure devotion right here in our minds? Are we being led astray? Our, our key position to start to discern what is of the evil one and what is of the kingdom of God is to make sure that we are seated in the right place. And that's why it's so hard to engage people in these types of topics when you don't know where they are wholly devoted to the Lord. Now, I trust that 99.9% are today. That's why you're here. You're wholly devoted to coming to church on Sunday. That's a good, that's a good step, isn't it? Well, some of you really fought just to get here this morning. Amen, somebody. It's not easy getting your kids ready for church. I remember those days. Uh, but, but listen, I'm talking about a heart issue. I mean, we won't get that far in influencing culture when we worship at the same altars, If I know more about my favorite football player than I do Jesus Christ, Oy. if I know more about where my favorite singer, <clears throat> she's not my favorite singer, your favorite singer, Taylor Swift, if, <laughs> I'm just busting on a few things now, is that okay? Can I topple a few idols in our culture? If I know know more about her songs and her lyrics and where she's playing next, which is intriguing, she's the biggest now in our country as far as pop singers and the most wealthiest that's out there right now, right? If I know more about that than I do about the kingdom, if I know more about Taylor's lyrics than I do scripture, I still call myself a man of God, a woman of God, we are worshiping many times at the same altars that our culture worships at. If I am a believer and I think it's okay to kill the baby inside of my womb, I am worshiping at the same altar and calling myself a believer and then worshiping at the altar of Baal. Somebody say ouch. I don't value life the way God values life I don't see things from a God perspective, but I want to call myself a man of God, woman of God, follower of Jesus Christ. Can I just pause and say, if you can't picture Jesus being an abortion doctor, what are we doing worshiping at the altar of Baal? If you want to know what I mean by the altar of Baal, there's nothing new under the sun. That is where they went to sacrifice their babies and they would burn them alive while they screamed. They just chanted louder so they couldn't hear the screams of their children while they were burning them alive. I'm trying so hard to keep this PG rated this morning. No, just preach. Okay? There's nothing new. This is the same devil. This is the same evil force. We just do it differently now behind closed doors with people that call themselves doctors led by the same demons. Shabba shah. Come on, somebody. If we, if we as a church, and we as a church culture, as we as a body of Christ, insist on keeping the same altars in place, we have no influence over the election coming up. We have no influence over breaking the abortion strongholds in our country. We have no issues on the demonic things that are happening on stages with popular singers nationwide. Man, they are doing Public, public seances and witchcraft, right on, right in open stages and open fields to the point where actually people that never met the Lord, I think his last name is Scott. I can't remember his first name. People that never knew the Lord went to this concert and said, there was something really strange about that. It felt demonic. They said these things and they are not followers of Jesus Christ. Even they have more discernment. Okay, okay. I, 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 I love you guys so much, but sometimes, sometimes I just want to pause to pray because, because man, we, will, we cannot be influence, influences of influencers in our culture with the kingdom of Jesus Christ until we say, I am done worshiping at the same altars. Talking to people with divided hearts. Some of you know some people with divided hearts concerning the right and the wrong things in our culture. Those things lead to the arguments and the divisions and the disagreements and the alienation that we sometimes feel, right? Our key position is to say, I am fully consecrated to God. So there's one concept I wanna finish out this message with and I just wanna throw a few scriptures out and look at them carefully. And um, this is why I changed my message last night at 10 o'clock. Again, this one concept I want to leave you with today. If you remember nothing else that I said, it's this word called consecration. Can we say consecration? It's not a word that, that I use a lot in, in just talking to people throughout the week. And maybe you do. You're way more holy than I. But I, I don't use the word consecration very much. But it is a biblical word. And it has a biblical Definition you can find it in the Old Testament in a few places, but it also in New Testament, it's also explained in a variety of ways. The biblical definition of the word consecration simply means this to be set apart. It's the act of dedicating yourself to the service and the worship of God in all that you do. Come on, doesn't mean you have to be at church 24/7, understand that, or in the church building, but you are the church 24/7. Amen, somebody. It means to make holy or dedicate to a higher purpose. So, just like I went to the kitchen a couple months ago, this, this kitchen right here in Grace Church, and I consecrated this glass to be used for my preaching water. It should not be used for any other purposes. Why? Because it looks nice. It's the only one that looked nice to keep right next to me. It looks like something that was handed down for generations, and, but it has an elegance to it, doesn't it? And when I see this, I can't imagine pouring soda in this glass. I, don't, I could. I mean, it wouldn't be sinful. I don't. I just now keep this glass to myself, and it has, it has a very specific purpose. It's for me to preach right here it's consecrated that's what that word means it means set apart you have certain things in your kitchen or guys in your tool room right that you have set apart for a specific purpose you don't use a, screwdri- a screwdriver like a hammer well, some of you do but you're using it for its wrong purpose <laughs> you're too lazy to go get a hammer <laughs> i've done that do you understand So it means that this was made for a specific purpose and it should then be consecrated and set apart for a specific purpose and God looks at you and I and says they were made for a specific reason. I wish that they wouldn't use themselves for another purpose. They don't fit so well in this culture when they use themselves for the wrong reasons. I didn't create them to be used for sin, I didn't create them to be used to appeal to the culture or to worship along with the idols of our day. I created them to be God-fearing, God-loving. And in Romans 12, 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Can I get a Berks County Amen. It doesn't mean that he isn't still the sacrifice for our sins, Jesus Christ. But he says, now you as a living sacrifice, you don't have to sacrifice on a cross. You can't do it anyway. You can't take care of that kind of thing like I did. But now because you live fully devoted, fully consecrated, that is your living sacrifice. Back to me. What what does it mean When God says, consecrate yourself, it means set yourself apart from mainstream culture. I don't even care. Listen, I don't even care if our culture shifts and we get an amazing president. Sorry for those of you that voted. I I just can't bring myself to say we have an amazing president. I'm not actually sure that we've had an amazing president yet. What I mean by that is some have done some amazing work, but I have yet to see in my day a spirit-filled president of the United States that actually is wholly devoted to the man Jesus Christ. I haven't seen that yet. Now, some have done amazing things. Come on, somebody. We can all agree with that. But I haven't yet seen a wholly devoted follower of Christ at the highest office or offices in our nation yet. Some of them seem to love the Lord. Many of them seem to know exactly what to say to make us think they love the Lord. And behind the scenes, Okay, I'll I'll preach on politics some other day. (laughs) Set yourself apart from mainstream culture because kingdom culture is not of this world. That's not where it comes from. From your ways and your ways of the world and all its enticements, given priority to spiritual things now, we give priority now to spiritual things over physical things. What does it mean to consecrate yourself? It means the priority now is spiritual things, even though I sometimes have to go do physical things. It will require intentionally avoiding things that hinder you from connecting with God or they take time away from your relationship with Jesus Christ. And things that shift your focus and seduce your heart away from God's will and God's ways need to be, I say, contended with and fought with, and, um, and sometimes that's tough to preach, because it can come across extremely legalistic, and saying, you know, get rid of your TVs, and all this kind of stuff, and get rid of social media, I'm actually, I'm actually not like that, the, 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 all of these things in and of themselves, these tools that we have, such as TV and social media, are neutral in and of themselves, right, they can be used to further the kingdom of God, but they can also be used for incredible evil, and so that's where we get to contend with this stuff and saying, what is tripping me up? What is seducing my heart away? And where is it that I worship at the same idols as the world? And where is it that my neighbor, if he, watched, if he would know my ins and outs of my life, would look at me and say, you're not any different just because y'all go to Grace Church. You're just like me. Listen, can I stop and say there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, but see, but see grace says I can empower you to live that, the life that, I'm, that, that is holy and righteous, and that, that's what he's coming at us in this culture to do. He's not coming to condemn the world, but to save us, right? So we separate ourselves and consecrate our hearts. And someone like, you know, If you want to know what consecration looks like, it might look like um, the person chosen for the Olympics, perhaps, like a sport, and at least for that season of their lives, there is like a sincere all-in devotion, at least for that season and to that cause. They live it, breathe it, eat it, night and day, man, they are going to sleep thinking about it, they are waking up thinking about it, and um, it becomes all-consuming, right, and so, where is the Olympic type of Jesus follower? Is this what I've been wondering? And listen, can I pause and say, this is what the Holy Spirit is asking me. Where is the Olympic fervor in, in you to say you're wholly devoted? <clears throat> can, I, can, I, can I also pause right here and say, I don't, I don't actually expect unbelievers... People, okay, people in our culture that are running the show, maybe it's your bosses, maybe it's local government, maybe it's big government, maybe it's people in your family, people that y'all have to submit to, this and that. I, I don't know why, I, I, I just don't know why Christians expect unbelievers to act like Jesus' followers. It doesn't make any sense I quite frankly don't know why unbelievers believe in marriage, for example. It makes no sense. It's a biblical concept. We've turned it cultural, then they, you know, this is kind of a cultural approach, but actually it's a very, all the way back to Genesis, a God approach. Does that make sense? And So I don't actually look at unbelievers in our culture, whether they're in government, whether they're in business to know how to behave like a Jesus follower. And I just think it's odd in our culture that as Jesus followers, we get really triggered, triggered and upset at others who aren't Jesus followers and don't claim to be so. And even if some claim to be so, you can tell by their lives that they're not. We expect them to be sold out for Jesus and to make decisions based on how I would make a decision because I'm a Jesus follower. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. It just makes no sense. I'm, 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 I'm pushing at buttons in how we engage our culture. Is that okay? How we engage our culture today. Paul said in Galatians one fifteen. But, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, basically Paul is telling you and I, he felt consecrated to a certain calling and to function a certain way. Do you and I know that we too have been set apart and consecrated for the kingdom purposes, not just to work, eat, sleep, and die. We've been set apart and consecrated for kingdom purposes. Can I just say, that's why you were born. 1 Peter 2, 9, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. I want you to soak this in. Peter writes this so well. You are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. Priesthood, You're a holy nation. You're a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and he placed you into his marvelous light. Can somebody say, I'm set apart? second corinthians 6 starting at 14 do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers this is not a marriage verse by the way although it, you can apply it to marriage we use it a lot to say don't marry someone if they're not a christian and you are <laughs> it'll cause some contention but actually this just means in the world in the culture that you live in do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers did jesus love unbelievers did he die for unbelievers All right, so read this properly. It means don't get get in bed with them and don't sign a pact with them and don't do business the way they do business. Come on, somebody. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with this idol called Belial or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Why are you worshiping the same thing? For we are, the temple of, uh, we, we are the temple of the living God. And as God said, I'll make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I'm going to be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then will I welcome you and I'm going to be your father to you. You're going to be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Somebody say, I'm set apart. Now there's a. However, somebody say, "However, I'm still in the world. I'm bumping shoulders with the world. I'm trying to influence, but I might be being influenced um, where I'm made for kingdom purposes." I agree with you, Pastor Vern, but it's like I'm trying to function in a in a working among thorn bushes. And I come home from work a little bloody and maybe a little tainted and I come home from school having been exposed to some things that are not part of the kingdom of God, right? Any of you there right now? Blessed are you who just work with all Christians like I do, man, it's awesome. But no, I, you know, I'm in the world just, you know, just like some of y'all, you I mean, get tainted. <clears throat> Jesus prayed for us in John 17, he's like, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Did you ever hear the phrase, in the world, but not of the world? That's kind of where that's taken from, that scripture. And he he knows that we're still called to be here, but yet there's a heart condition, and there's something that we can hang on to, and it starts right here in our hearts. When I say heart, I point to your brain. That's actually a lot of places in scripture where you see the heart of a man. It actually means the inner place. It actually also means the brain. Um, there's a place that says, even though I'm in the world, I don't have to be of the world. I don't have to function the way that they function. I'm allowed to think differently because I'm part of a different kingdom Then I'm not subject to think exactly the way that everybody thinks around me just because I have to work with them or go to school with them. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There it is, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Thank you, Paul. That's a good one. In the Old Testament book of Joshua, this is what he said to the people. And I think this is what God is saying to Grace Church. This is what I got last night. I just added this scripture last night. Joshua 3, 5. Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And I know that's prophetic. We don't live in Old Testament times. Consecration back then, especially of the priests, was included uh, rituals of sacrificing animals. It included anointing oil. It included various rituals where they would uh, with water and, and bathing a certain way. Even even they they had to go through this ritual and that ritual to, to, to be pure in the in the temple. Now Jesus came and put an end to all of the temple worship. Come on, somebody. And and so we are beyond the cross, but now there's a consecration, though, of the heart, and that's what he's saying today. So I'm not going back to try to re-enlist us in the law, if you will, but what Joshua's saying then, I think, is he's saying today as well, will you consecrate yourselves to live holy and completely for me and in me and for my purposes? And David said something similar in Psalm 86, teach me your way, Lord. That, I'm gonna, that I may walk in your truth and unite my heart to fear your name. And other translations say it this way, would you give me an undivided heart? If you're feeling convicted this morning like I've been this week, would you just put your hand on your heart? I love the sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit. He's so loving when he comes to us this way. And would you just pray along with me at this exact moment? Would you say, Lord, would you get rid of any division in me? Would you crush the undivided heart, or the parts that are focused on the wrong thing, would you actually give me a united heart where everything in my heart is wholly devoted to the man, Jesus Christ? Amen, amen. Can we just have a holy moment right here in this place? And everybody with your eyes closed, we like to do this just to give people a little bit of personal space. Those of you that are here today, Number one, I'm so thankful that you're here. I know I've said that a couple times, but I really am. It's God brings who God wants to bring. If he brought you today and you're going, I don't know that I ever consecrated my heart to the Lord to begin with, meaning you never made that decision to be fully devoted to Jesus Christ and to call him Lord. All eyes closed for a moment to give you that space would you raise your hand if, if that's you and if you would like to say today is the day for me to be wholly devoted to the Lord. I wanna pray a prayer of salvation. Would you raise your hand high in the air all over this place so I can see it? I see you, ma'am. I'm so proud of you. I see you as well. So thankful, so, so thankful. If you're online, I see you as well. If you're online, say, just type something in there to say wholly devoted to Jesus, something like that. I'm to pray for you online as well. Can we all pray together just for a moment? Let's, let's all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of all my sins. Every place that I miss the mark. Thank you for the finished work of the cross. I consecrate my life to you. To your will and to your ways. Thank you for your love and forgiveness. Holy Spirit, fill me completely. Empower me to be wholly devoted to you in every way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we celebrate those who raised their hand to say, I want to consecrate my life to the Lord. We want to celebrate communion today. It's the first of every month. By the way, those of you that are new to Grace Church, the first Sunday of every month, we want to celebrate communion together. And so if you did not get elements on the way in, they look like this. Would you just shoot your hand up in the air quickly and uh, an usher will run them right over to you. There's one front here in the very front row. Anybody else? They would be glad to get communion elements to you if you didn't get them on the way in. Well, listen, there's many facets, what I would call revelations and insights to this sacrament called Holy Communion. And that is why... We encourage you to attend the Seder meal because then you can take a little more time, right, Jeffrey, to to unpack all the revelations that are attached. And so we can't cover it all right now. But today, as we honor what Christ Jesus has done for us, I want to take another look at our hearts. I encourage us to take a look at our lives and our level, if you will, of dedication to live as new covenant sons and daughters. He has given all. Jesus Christ has literally given all his life for me to be curse-free, for me to be healed and whole, to have my sins forgiven, that I can have eternal life with him forever and ever. And then I want to take this cup and this bread today, and I want it to, to... to, when when I take this today, I want it to symbolize then my wholehearted devotion to what he's accomplished on the cross. And as I take this communion today, there's something gonna happen today where I leave this place knowing that I'm a living sacrifice. There's something gonna happen after today for some of you that are gonna crush idols in your life. We were meeting with someone this week and we uncovered various ways that they were trying to conjure up spirits apart from the Holy Spirit. There's no condemnation. No, no, don't go there. Such were some of you. No, no, no condemnation. Jesus comes and says, let me help you crush it. Y'all don't need that. Y'all don't need crystals in your bedroom to call the Holy Spirit a piece. Oh, come on. Y'all don't need dream catchers so you have better dreams that's not the holy spirit's way y'all don't need any idols on your mantle from days gone by or from another nation y'all don't need tarot cards i don't know why i'm doing this now i'm calling out idols y'all don't need to actually have any type of objects or any other chancer rituals or music to call upon the name of the Lord and invite the Holy Spirit other than just saying with your mouth and with your heart come Lord Jesus and there is a sanctification happening in this church and in this region all across the body of Christ but right now in your heart and in Grace Church where there's consecration happening and today as we take communion together there's idols that are being crushed and some of y'all are going to go home and throw some of that stuff away If you need to break a cell phone, you break a cell phone. If you need to get rid of the computer for a bit, you get rid of the computer. On the night when Jesus was betrayed in 1 Corinthians 11, this is Jesus. He took the bread, he took the cup, he thanked God for it, and he broke it. He gave his disciples. He said, take this and eat it. This is my body, which is given for you. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And then he did the same with the cup. He said the cup is the new agreement between God and that had and and you the agreement between God and you Excuse me I'm going to read this better This cup is the new agreement between God and you that has been established and set in motion by my blood Do this in remembrance of me whenever you drink it For every time that you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are retelling the message of the Lord's death, that he died for you, and he said, do this until he comes again. And here we are, 2,000 years later, doing it again. Why? To remember this covenant. Now, he would have used unleavened bread at this last supper, also called the Passover Seder meal. Um... It was bread made without yeast, right, which symbolized the sinlessness, the Son of Man, the Son of God, fully God, fully man, the one and the only one human, God, human, without sin. The only one who could do this on the cross since he was without sin and therefore able to take our place by saying, this is my sinless body given for you. And then the cup after supper, according to the Jewish tradition, is called the cup of redemption. Raise your hand if you need redemption in some way. Are you thankful for redemption? But raise your hand right now if you're saying, there are still things I know that I've been redeemed from in Jesus' name. Let this communion be that time where you're like, I, I, I'm going to go home and say, I'm redeemed. Leviticus 17, 11 says on the basis of man's redemption before God is the blood of a sinless animal. And Jesus is like, I'm going to do this once and for all, for all mankind. <clears throat> so I want to pause and say thank you. Can we just hold our elements like this? I'm going to thank you for your life sacrificed on the cross for all of mankind to redeem us from the pit, to forgive us our sins to heal our diseases, to reconnect us in relationship to God the Father. Jesus, we thank you never again to be under a curse. Can I get a good amen? We take this cup, we take this bread today in remembrance of this incredible act of redemption. And by it, we also consecrate our hearts and set our hearts fully and wholeheartedly in pure devotion to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Would you carefully with me peel back the bread and let's take that together as a church body. As you're doing it, say your own prayer and say it your way. Say, Lord, I consecrate myself. Let's turn it carefully over and very carefully peel back the juice. Slowly. And let's take this juice together. Lord, I'm grateful. Lord, I am grateful. I am so thankful for what you've done on the cross for me. In Jesus' name. Would you hold on to your elements and our communion assistance? Are going to be passing the buckets to collect the empty vials, and as the bucket reaches the end of your aisle, would you just um, very carefully pass it behind you to the person right behind you, and then it'll keep going all the way back if there's no one there to get it. While you're doing that, would you all stand with me? We're actually going to close today with a song we talked about this week. We want to close with a song, and again, it's a heart of crushing idols. It's a heart of consecration. And make this song your prayer. And I'm gonna come back up after this and and close out because we still wanna close with a time of personal prayer ministry. So thank you, Nate.
1: You can hang me there with you. Guns down. Day-